guys hear me? Okay. So why do you think I'm here? Of course I'm here because Pastor Ken called me to be here. But I'm also here because uh, God wants me to share the, the beautiful and the precious things that he has done in the African conference. And uh, being dark-skinned for a Korean, I'm welcomed in these countries where people are, have darker skin than I have. So I'm very, I'm very welcomed in Africa and I'm, I'm also very welcomed in Malaysia. And today's message... Uh, it talks about the ministry of Elijah and the heart of Elijah. And, and we, are, we are also going to talk about his power and authority. But throughout the conferences, uh, God has shown me something very clearly. And of course, all these things were not done by me, but done through me. Uh, uh, through. And the source of this power comes from the Lord. And in Uganda... We held a conference around 10 years ago. It was 2013, I think. And that was the first conference I think I've attended, overseas conference that I attended after being connected with this ministry. And uh, the conference was held in a city called Hoima. And uh, situationally-wise, it was a very difficult conference. And some of you have experienced that conference with me, and you would be able to relate to what I'm saying right now. Because even the transport uh, transportation wasn't done very well. We had to ride a bus from the airport to the city. And the amazing thing that I realized this time was, even though it has been 10 years since that, that last conference, they still don't have air conditioning in the buses. And all the roads that we uh, went on were, all, were still unpaved. They were all just, uh, what's it, just... And because they are unpaved, there were a lot of lumps and a lot, of, a lot of bumps on the road. And people who are sitting in the back row, their, their heads would hit the ceiling every time we would hit a bump. And I'm not exaggerating here. You need to hold on to something and keep your, keep your body down so that you would not uh, uh, bounce up and down. And the accommodations were also uh, pretty poor in quality. There was always a danger of being electrocuted when you were when you were taking a shower. And the food that was served in the hotel was also pretty uh, shocking because we saw Outback and in, in, in the backyard of the hotel they would, they would uh, raise these chickens and they would just ca uh, get these chickens and cook them with the fire that they lit in the backyard. And we thought we could communicate with the people through English, but most of the people in Uganda weren't able to speak English. And so whenever we tried to talk to the people or the staff, we need to have a translator next to us. And that was the, the, the difficulties of that conference. And even though this conference was a little difficult, it was very um, memorable in a way. And the reason why it was memorable because I think it was on the last day or the last evening, evening Pastor Kim was leading prayer. And Pastor Kim proclaimed the vision that, that God had for Africa. And listen to what he said. 
The, the enemy has tried very hard to destroy Africa for the past centuries. And Africans have received a lot of hurts and wounds because of these attacks. And it is not easy for the leaders of the Lord to be raised here. But your key to becoming victorious, your key to becoming the leader of the Lord is for you to forgive those who have come and conquered you. And in the last days, through the gospel that God has given you, you will be able to embrace and forgive the rest of the world. And because God wants you to become the source of blessing. So that's why we encourage you. And you guys need to forgive uh, the Western world and those who have plundered you, those who have conquered you through the gospel. And now Africans, you need to, hold, you need to use, uh, bring this gospel back to Europe. You need to bring the good news back to Europe. And he told the pastors of Congo to go to France. People of pastors of Mozambique to go to Por- Portugal. So those who, those who are willing to give your life for, for the gospel, you have to bring this gospel back to Europe. And we firmly believe that the work of the gospel, is the revival of the gospel is going to start in Africa. So give your life for the gospel. Surrender to the gospel. So after listening to this proclamation, even though I didn't really know anything back then, I was shocked when I heard this proclamation. Because I was shocked that uh, it's, it's pretty shocking for a president to come and, and give this kind of proclamation to the people. But how could just the pastor, another pastor from, from, from overseas come and tell these people to forgive those who have hurt them? So it was extremely shocking to me when I first heard the proclamations of Pastor Kim back then. But, we lear- we, but I learned from Ephesians that this was possible. The reason why Pastor Kim was able to give this powerful proclamation to the people is because of the Ephesians. It's because we are a church. Oh, he's, he's, he's quoting somewhere from Ephesians. But the calling that God has given to Africa, the glory that he has given to Africa, and the nobility that he has given to them, is present within the churches. And only, the, only those who are holding on to this gospel will be able to see these great blessings. And the reason why all of this is possible, all this ministry is possible, is because of the wisdom and the glory and the anointing that God has given to this church. So how is it that you still hold on to your struggles? You hold on to your own uh, 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 bindings and your own scars? Many of the African countries are still dealing with the, with the aftermath of being uh, one of the colonies of the, the, the European countries. They use their language. They lost all of their culture. And, still, and they are still enduring through all this aftermath and all the pain. But God is saying, no, that's not how you're supposed to live. I have given you glory. I have liberated you already. So do not hold on to your past anymore. So back then, even I did not know of the glory of the church. But that, that proclamation and declaration that Pastor Kim made in that conference was very memorable, and so it stuck with me for all these years. 
And back then, Pastor Kim said, after this conference, you will see uh, the statistic of uh, people with AIDS going down in this, in this nation. And back then, President Obama gave a, a huge amount of money, like 40 million won, I think, 400 million won, to, to, uh, to legalize homosexuality in Uganda. And the president declined that offer, saying, what, what, is saving, what saves the people is not that amount of money, but, but holding on to the gospel of the Lord. And that event happened after the conference. So in this year of 2023, we reached the land of Uganda again. And God proclaimed many messages that, are, uh, that saved this land. And I want to share a couple of those. He says something like this. Uh, Pastor Kim says something like this. Do not be confined by the, by the curses and by the, by the bindings that you have not chosen. Just hold on to the promise of the Lord and you will be liberated, you will be saved. So the issue for them was they were born in Africa, they were born as Africans. And that's why they, they felt like they inherited all the pain and all the suffering and all the, all the prejudices that came from the rest of the world. Some of the children, they were born with these diseases, they were born with AIDS because of, of, uh, of their parents or, or their ancestors. So Africans are surrounded by the results of, of the choices that they, don't, they did not make for themselves. Their, their children, their neighbors, their families, they have all lost hope because they're surrounded by this hopelessness. But this one message is able to blow away all of, the, all of those burdens, all of those shackles. And this is the power of the promise of the Lord. Your situation, your circumstances, your surroundings can all be blown away by the promise of the Lord. This is the power of the gospel. The gospel has the power to blow away all the, all the, uh, the, 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 the accumulated amount of sufferings and grief that, are, that may be present within you or within your people. And God is saying, you don't have to, take, you don't have to be accountable for the sins that you do not commit or the evil that you have committed. missionary that said it is it is okay if you if you grew up in a tragic family it is okay if you don't have money if it's okay if you if you if you um if your spouse cheats on you it doesn't matter because if you believe in the right god then he's going to be fully responsible for you and likewise to the africans even though the rest of the, the areas of their lives may be tragic may be full of despair and pain and suffering grief and sorrow and no matter where they see, they cannot see uh, uh, an exit to this life. If they believe in the right God, if they believe in our God, then they will be saved. And this message itself is such a blessing to these people who are going through these hardships. And during this conference, Pastor Kim preached the word of the Lord like a double-edged sword, a very sharp uh, sword. 
and he told the pastors over there directly saying, if you do not have a calling, then give up your ministry. If you're going to continue to, to, to be addicted to your phones, be addicted to money and be addicted to fame or, or, or greed, then give up being a pastor because that you cannot live in both worlds. And he told this especially to those pastors who had two jobs. And once there were, on the first day of the Uganda conference, a couple of bishops came to the conference. And the bishop introduced himself to us and to Pastor Kim. And this was before the service started. Well, they came out and introduced themselves to the congregation and they sat down during the service. And Pastor Kim spoke to the bishops talking about uh, this religion. And he said to the people, you and I, you and I are all bishops. We are all, we are all prophets. We are all apostles. But out of all these titles, the, the most honorable is the pastor because God has entrusted his gospel and he has entrusted his church to the pastors. And he spoke this right in front, of, uh, in front of the bishops. And there was a female pastor who was in charge of the location that we were holding this conference in. And all throughout the conference and all throughout the services, she would be, play, she would be using her cell phone. And on that, on that day, again, she was on her cell phone. And Pastor Kim was talking about cell phones and about the social networking services, uh, the dangers of these things during the conference, during, during the service. And of course, the pastor was still on her phone. And even though Pastor Kim was saying, uh, talking about the dangers of being on your smartphone, she was still on her smart, smartphone nonetheless. And during the Uganda conference, uh, we were not expecting to meet so many of, of these uh, high-profile leaders of the country. Uh, a two-star general came to visit us. And when they visited us, uh, the female pastor told us, uh, could you guys give us some time so that we can introduce these, these generals and these great leaders of this country? Of this country? And, so, and we said, sure, uh, just introduce yourselves and sit down so that we can continue the service. And what Pastor Kim said during the, conference, uh, during the service was, even if, even if these high-profile leaders come to, the, come to this service, we're not going to give them time to introduce themselves. Because they are not what is important uh, to, this, to this worship. And God has done many miracles and great things during the conference. But in the end times, it is the time for the two witnesses to work. And even though it is, for the, for the, uh, it is time for the church to shine and, and, and continue its ministry, the rest of the world is going to continue to fall into darkness. And in this conference as well, we're able to see how, how evil and wicked the world is becoming. And in the end times, many of these churches of the world will be powerless against the enemy. They will not be able to uh, uh, teach the truth. They will not be able to proclaim the gospel of the Lord upon the land anymore. The two witnesses, what, they're going to be able to endure through all this and continue to, the ministry of life to the people. They will be able to pr uh, uh, give the people life, give them, uh, source, uh, give them blessings, 
give them and show them the glory of the Lord through their ministry. <clears throat> and whilst while I'm ministering in Gwangju, I heard I heard many churches speaking speaking this. And that is, in the end times, many things are going to happen. You're going to be persecuted, and many, many uh, terrible things are going to happen to the church. But we can do nothing about it. We cannot help you. You're on your own in, by that time. And they say, the early churches, even though they were filled with power, that, that was just them. That was, they, they, were, they were special, and that's why God blessed them in that way. We cannot do that in this contemporary uh, world anymore. But the church who hold on, who, who is acknowledged by the two witnesses, will continue to proclaim the truth upon the world, even though things may seem, uh, seem impossible. So let's talk about the characteristics of the church of two witnesses. And first of all, they are able to keep and defend the worship. And when Elijah prayed to the Lord. He sent fire down from the heavens to, to, to the land. And people who have a yearning, who have a desire for true worship, God will respond to their prayers and, and give them a true worship. And when I go around the world, even though I have not visited many countries, I see many churches which, uh, who are very powerless, and people who are filled with religion around the world. When I, went to, when I was in Eswatini, A lot of people are very faithful to the Lord in the, uh, on the outside. They, they wear good clothes to church. They come to church every day for prayer meetings. But in the end, they're, not, uh, they're unable to lift up a true worship to God. And this time when I was in Uganda, the thing that really shocked me was the people don't, do not know how to pray. They only pray for a little bit and then they open up their eyes to chat with one another or do something else. And this, even though this was a, uh, a conference of pastors, none of them were able to pray properly. And it really disappointed me to see how much the enemy has, has, has destroyed the gospel and destroyed the leaders of this nation. And you guys are all able to pray much. And, and that is quite amazing if you compare that to the pastors of, of Uganda. And the second characteristic is... They have a faithful relationship with the Lord. In Malachi chapter 6, it says, the core message or the core ministry of the two witnesses is to return the hearts of the father to the child and, to the, and for the heart of the child to return to the father. So this is the importance of having this faithful relationship with our Heavenly Father. And many churches in Africa have lost that connection, lost their relationship with the Lord. Even though God is our Father and we are His Son, and because He is the King of Kings, we we are an heir to His kingdom. But many of these pastors, they work overtime. They work two or three jobs to support themselves and support the church. And sometimes, when when they listen to the messages of Pastor Kim, they they respond with a lot of uh, enthusiasm. They're very responsive to the, to the declarations of, 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 of victory. 
or the proclamations of victory. And I stayed in Africa for a year just to, to, to minister there. But I've also uh, experienced that whenever I talk to the congregation, they're very responsive and enthusiastic to the words of blessings, to the to messages of blessings. But whenever we talk about repentance, whenever we talk about justice or, or righteousness, that's when the people uh, get bored or they lose focus. So basically that means they have a faithful blessing. They want to be blessed. They want to be plentiful. And they don't want to, to, to be touched and be fully uh, transformed by the Lord. And thirdly, the, the characteristic of a church uh, of the two witnesses is that they are glorious. Glorious like the church of Ephesus. So are you able to defend your worship? Are you, do you have a faithful relationship with the Lord? And do you, are, are you able to receive glory from God? If you have all, the, all, the, all of these things, then you are in a good church. You're, you are being trained like the two witnesses. And if that is to you, then I really applaud you because you're doing well. But if you go to Africa, you understand how, how uh, difficult it was and uncomfortable it was to see these pastors fading away. And I think the reason why it is so difficult to find churches in Africa which, who, who engage in spiritual warfare is because when you look at their lives, everything was taken away from them. Everything, they were bound. They were, they were, uh, they were bound, they were tormented, and they were persecuted. But they have never experienced a victory against their enemies. And so they're not even mad about the enemy anymore. They just accepted that life and accepted it as their fate. So that's why they cannot stand up to the enemy and, and fight against them. They're just too used to being plundered, too used to being attacked, too used to having, having things, their things stolen away from them. And they're heavily bound by the enemies. And I was talking with Pastor Kim during lunch. People, the people of Africa or the pastors of Africa have no, have no desire to even try to, to fight back against the enemies that, they have, that, that have tormented them. And when we were staying in the hotel, because the hotel was taller than the rest of the buildings in the village, we were able to see what they are doing uh, throughout the day. And in the afternoon, uh, they would come out and, and, and do laundry. And the thing that really uh, kind of shocked me was they were doing their laundry with just their hands. And I'm saying, I understand maybe, I understand that they may have, they may do not have um, washing machines over there. But they, do, do they not even have, what's that called, the, the, the board that you use to wash your clothes on? The, the serrated ones, not serrated, but the ones with the bumps. And, or they're not even beating the, the laundry to, to clean it. They were just using their hands. So I'm, so I'm like, how is this possible in the, in the current world, in the current age? But when I look back upon ourselves, there are areas of our lives that, are, that have stopped, that are static, like, like uh, the laundry, laundry culture in, in Uganda. Even though we're living with the all-powerful Lord, 
why do we decide what, it, what we can do and what we cannot do? If God says yes, then it is yes for us as well. It is possible. But why do we limit ourselves? And in the end times, the calling of the church is not just an issue of just going to a church that fits your needs or fits your taste. You do not go and say, oh, this church is politically correct or politically suited to me. No. A calling of a church, calling to a church in the end times is a matter of life and death. It is a church where there is true worship. It is a church that is able to engage in spiritual warfare. It is a church that can talk about the serious things, that talk about your, your, your bindings and, and your problems. But it is very difficult to, f- to find and seek out those churches in the current age. It is very easy for us because we are already within that church. But, but when you look at the whole world, it is very difficult for you to find another church that is willing to, 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 to be fully faithful to the Lord. And in the end, they will not be able to uh, talk about life or share life with one another because they themselves have not received life. But the church of the two witnesses has the breath of life. They have the living breath coming to them that is able to uh, revive uh, these dry bones. So now let's talk about the power of Elijah. The power that God has given to the church is equal, uh, the power that God has given to the church is enough for you to be, be, to pulverize your whole neighborhood or the whole city. During the Indian conference, after the conference, God has given us great victory. And as a sign of that, he, 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 he brought forth a great flood that came to India. And even, uh, even, 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 um, where is it? Where is it? Um, pushed down a lot of the water, the body of water pushed down a lot of statues and a lot of idols in, 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 in the temples. But anyways, God has given this power and authority to the two witnesses to, to, to judge the wicked and to silence evil. And moreover, in, in Uganda, God showed me what it, what it meant for us to be in control of creation, for us to rule over creation. So 10 years ago, I did not understand why, how, why and how Pastor Kim was able to proclaim such, such big and grand messages to, to Uganda. But now after 10 years, I realized what the church is, how powerful the church is. And, and that's why I know Pastor Kim is not just speaking po- about positively or his hopeful desires, but rather he's talking through the power and authority that God has given to the church. And in Africa, God showed us how he's able to save those who are dying. And this was the first time that I saw people, people's spirit fading away and people really dying before my eyes. Because no matter what we did during ministry, none of them responded to it. We, we, we sometimes hit them, we would pray for them, and whatever we did, they were unresponsive. Their spirits would not come alive. 
even though the presence of the Lord was so strong starting from the first day of the conference, none, none of them were able to respond to that presence. Like I said before, even though the gospel of the Lord was, was uh, striking them like a sharp sword, they were unresponsive. And even though God was uh, encouraging them, comforting them, and forgiving them, none of them were responsive. And at first, it seemed uh, impossible that this conference would, would actually affect these people. And it's true that there was a language barrier, so we couldn't fully communicate with the people. But on the last day, when the glory of the God, when the glory of the Lord finally came into the people, they completely changed. And our language barrier no longer became an issue. So on the last day, when they were truly praising the Lord and being responsive to the message and responding to every statement that Pastor Kim made, and I don't know, what, maybe it's their culture, but when the people finally started to receive grace, they would put their chairs on top of their heads for some reason. But, what, uh, but when I looked at them, at first, I felt, I felt a sense of betrayal because I was like, if you guys are able to be this responsive and receive this much grace, why didn't you do it from, from day one? But it was not their fault. It was just that their spirit, spirit is so numb or so dull or even if, uh, or furthermore, it might, their spirits even might be dead by that point. And that's why they were so unresponsive to the presence of the Lord during the conference. And not just them, the, the spiritual binding of the land itself was very strong. And they have been bound for so long. So long that it is not their, even, it's not even their fault that they are disbound anymore. It's not because they're ignorant. And it's not a, uh, an issue of their effort as well. It's just that the, the binding of the land itself is so strong that people cannot help but be that uh, uh, be that uh, bound. And during the conference, before the last day, it's not like they were, they were, they were, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, it's not like they were unresponsive the whole conference. They tried, many of them tried, but, but, but even though they were praying well for one day, they would come back the next day being the same uh, unresponsive person. And I think that's because of the binding, bind, spiritual bindings of the land. And if they're not freed of the bindings of the land, they're going to continue to live like that. But when the glorious church of the Lord comes upon the land, it will free the people, it will liberate the people from the shackles of the enemy. And that's why Pastor Kim ministered the land. He did it both in South Africa and also Uganda. And he released the land from the spiritual curses. And as soon as, uh, after that ministry, we could see for our very eyes, uh, with our very eyes, how the people are being unraveled and being freed and being liberated in the Lord. In Ephesians 1.22, God placed, things all, uh, placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way.
So in this conference, we were able to see how God was using this glorious church to move this land. Even those high-profile leaders, the, uh, the president's ambassador and, and, and the two-star general, came to our worship to be a part of it. And this is a fulfillment of, of Ephesians. We're able to see creation itself coming and bound before the Lord and coming and bound before uh, the glorious church. And of course, we have, we have uh, experienced a lot of victory before. But now in the end times, whenever we, we, we allow the glory of the Lord to come upon a conference or come upon a country, that whole country is going to shake and, and, and be, be, be transformed because of this presence. Because that, and it's because the power, this power and authority is given to the church, to the glorious church of God. And during Elijah's time, even the king, the, 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 the contemporary king of uh, Elijah, was able to see that God was holding on to Israel, that God was holding on to his people through this one prophet of, his, uh, of Elijah. And imagine that is the image of the glorious church of the Lord in the end times, the glorious church of the two witnesses. Do not worry about your lives. Do not worry about your children, your, your businesses, your schools. Don't you think the God who is in charge of everything within your country and, is, and even has power over the president is able to take care of you and have all the answers that, to the problems of your lives? <clears throat> But in order to be able to utilize this power and authority, you need, you need the heart of Elijah. You need the heart of the Lord so that you can engage in this ministry. And even this age, this is an age where, where uh, the churches around the world are powerless. It is an age where it is difficult for people to go before the Lord to, uh, to resolve their spiritual bindings. But to Israel, whose judgment is decided, everything is very difficult for them. God has already made up his mind against Israel. But what Elijah did during that time was he, 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 he prayed for Israel uh, before the Lord. And that's what we need to do in this day and age. We cannot tell, teach the people how to pray. We cannot teach the people how to repent or come before the Lord to resolve their issues. We need to pray for the world. And we need to pray for, for, for all those churches who are fading away in place of them. We need to beg the Lord, Lord, would you give them another chance to come back to you? And 
it's like it's like uh, you becoming a lawyer to defend and to 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 uh, request the court to give somebody who is on uh, death row to give them another chance. And that was the heart that God has given to Elijah. He has given his own heart for to Elijah so that he would pray and 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 and, and uh, save Israel from their wickedness and And that's why Elijah was able to partake in the, in the salvation of Israel. And that's the same duty that God has given to us as well, the same calling that he has given to us as well. Let's look at Isaiah. Isaiah. 23. So in the midst of this uh, difficulty for Israel, because the judgment for Israel has been decided already, and and things seem very very uh, dull and uh, not dull, but it seems things things seem very serious because um, their their judgment has already been decided by the Lord. But Elijah continued to hold on to the mercy of the Lord. He called on the compassion of the Lord to come upon Israel. So let's talk about us then. People who are able to uh, uphold this ministry of the two witness are those who continue to have hack. We're, we're, we're living in the compassion and mercy of the Lord already. And even though we have talked about the curses and the bindings of Africa, we are the same in many ways. And like many of them, we were living in darkness because we were ignorant to what was right and what was wrong. But God gave us the gospel, and that's where we were able to know what we were doing and what we were living in was darkness. And that's why we, from then on, because we have received the gospel, we were able to continue to live in His grace and live in His uh, glory from then on. Let's talk about Uganda once again. In Uganda, we ministered to people, but it was very uh, stuff, not stuffy, but uh, it felt very unprogressive ministering to people because they didn't change, they were unresponsive. In the midst of that, my wife sent me a, a message saying, so after I came back from serving one year in Swaziland, I preached from the book of Hebrews before this congregation. And, and one person in our church listened to that message recently and spoke to my, my wife saying, oh, I think you and your wife received a lot of, received, enjoyed the love of the Lord during your time in Africa. 
And when I, when I read that message that came from my wife, I was reminded of all the love and all the blessings that I received while uh, I was ministering in a Swatini a couple of years ago. And in the end, uh, even though right now I'm here to serve the people of Uganda and to minister to them, I'm the one still receiving the love of the Lord and experiencing this, this uh, abundance. And from then on, my mindset regarding uh, this ministry in Uganda changed. sharing uh, with people over there about my scars and as you know I've shared this multiple times before of my scar regarding translation and a lot of people say are you still talking about that and I say I, I, um, I wasn't able to uh, be healed of this scar yet and back then when I was still when, when that uh, when the hurt was still pretty fresh when I was fired from translation one of the leaders of this church said in order to to be healed of, of this hurt and this wound you need to heal the wounds of others and naturally yours would also fade away Back then, uh, I went to, I, went, I, I, I was sent to commission to uh, Eswatini for a year after these events happened. And throughout that time, of course, he gave me that duty to serve Eswatini and to touch the people of that land. But it was also a time for me to grow and to mature and for me to be healed and be made whole. And from then on, my whole mindset to the ministry of, of Uganda changed because I realized that I was a channel of love for the Lord to work through. And even though when I looked at them, they were, they were still very unresponsive and not praying and not partaking in the worship well, I realized that that was me. That was how I was back then. And so God gave me a heart to continue to serve them and to change uh, their, their lives around. And recently during the, the Chuseok conference, God showed me the fear that was within me. And God showed me how I was too afraid of failure. And I was not bold before the Lord in my ministry. And you guys probably know that it's very easy and very comfortable and very natural for you to minister in a place that, like this where the presence of the Lord is constantly there. But when you go abroad, when you go to uh, other churches where that presence is not as strong, it becomes very difficult to minister. And you will feel bitter when, when, whenever something goes wrong. I'm never going to minister to that person again. Yeah, I'm not going to give them another, uh, another chance whenever you're faced with failures. 
And a lot of those failures had accumulated within my heart and my spirit. But God fully changed, um, healed me of those things during the Chuseok Conference recently. He helped me realize that whenever I confessed to Him and whenever I cast my burdens and my sins and my garments to, to, to God, He's going to liberate me from it. And think about it. God has rectified you. He acknowledges your righteousness. He says, I support you. I have given you my righteousness. And I do not care if you are successful or not. And when you're able to fully believe that, that, that voice, and when you're fully able to believe in that voice, then your re- results do not affect you anymore. Before, I would be powerless. I would be timid and shy because I was afraid of, of, of facing failures. And it was difficult for me to get rid of, uh, get out of that pit of darkness. But since I now believe uh, the word of, of the Lord, and I believe in the righteousness that He has given to me, I can stay bold. I can stay strong in in, in the place that I stand. And a great family treasure that is passed down from generation to generation in my family is this, 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 our skin color. My parents were dark, my, his parents were dark, and my children are mostly dark as well. And I, I had no intention of speaking about this, speaking of this when I went to Africa. I was afraid maybe I would offend them or something like that. But God inspired me to talk about this, this uh, wound and scar that I had. I said I was born in this color. And at first, many people asked me, are you, are you Malaysian? And I was really offended by that statement or by that question. No, it's fine if I call my, I make fun of myself, but it was a little offending for, I felt a little offended and attacked when Africans came to me and talked about my skin color. Because it was not, it, was, it wasn't even just one person. A, co- a few people came to me in different times and asked me about my nationality. But I said to them, my, this is my skin color, but look at the rest of the Koreans. Most of them are brighter and lighter than me in skin color. And when I was growing up, many, my nickname was Africa, Africa or African. <clears throat> but I said to you guys, you guys all, all have similar skin tones. But the reason why I had difficulty growing up was because I was the only dark one in, uh, where I was. But when I shared my, my scars to the people, the people welcomed me and accepted me. And it really came, it really comforted me. And occasionally people in Korea will come and say, I'm really jealous of your skin color. I think it's great. But, but they're saying that because they're not dark skinned like I am. But when I shared the story in Africa, the people really accepted, accepted me and welcomed me with their eyes and with their responses. And I could sense the, their love, their neighborly love coming upon me. And after I led, and after I led a prayer, a lot of the brothers came to me and hugged me saying, you're one of us. And, they, and some of them compared their, their own skin tone with me and said, oh, I think I'm brighter than you. And I realized this, this dark skin color that I have is, a, is truly a blessing to me because I'm able to connect with a lot of people around the world. And I receive the, less, the, the least amount of acceptance in Korea, I think. 
Anyways, uh, God continued to touch the scars and wounds that I had uh, in Africa. And, one, and let's go back to translation. In Swaziland, I had to, I had to preach in, in English. I had to uh, teach MB class in English as well. But I came back to Korea and I had no use of English. I was serving a Korean church, so I couldn't use English much. And naturally, my English skills will, will deteriorate. And I was worried that this time when I went to Africa, the people would, requ- would want me to um, pr- translate. So before going to Africa, I, I told my church members to pray for me that, that I would not need to translate once in Africa. That's the prayer request that I left them. But I went there and I had to translate almost every time. And if you ask me, did I do well? I don't think I did that well. But since the issue of righteousness has been resolved within me, even if I failed or did not do well in translation, it did not affect me as much anymore. And after I came back, my wife heard the stories and said, she actually confessed that none of our church members prayed for for me regarding that, that prayer request. So I experienced God calling me out to Africa and actually liberating uh, liberating me from my spiritual bindings there. And David as well also experienced a failure in Africa before. But this time, God restored David and made him victorious. I listened to the sermons of Hoima, the conference 10 years ago in Hoima, and I compared that to the current conference. And you could see the growth that David had. God, his whole anointing and, and, and uh, presence has changed ten, from 10 years ago. But anyways, God comes to us every day. Every single day, He comes to us and comforts us, encourages us, forgives us, and helps us to grow. And like the prophecy written in the Bible, He wants us to to be able to receive His heart. Where? So when God declared his judgment against Israel, Isaiah, like Elijah, repented before the Lord, saying, Lord, did you not promise salvation to your people? And he he turns all the the accountability back to the Lord, saying, Lord, didn't you promise us that you're going to be accountable for us? And this is the greatness of Isaiah. Even though God declared judgment against Israel, Isaiah did not give up hope that God will continue to save and hold on to his people. And I think many times we give up on that identity too fast. Whenever things get difficult, or whenever we're attacked by the enemy, we'll just easily let go of the righteousness and the promises that God has given to us, and we just follow the enemy wherever they lead us. But God cannot, uh, 
But God does not want us to stay in that state. He will continue to send His prophets. He will continue to send His words uh, to us so that we will be, we will save, we will be liberated and be saved from that situation. We need to be able to uh, lift up these kinds of prayers to the Lord. Lord, did, did you not promise us salvation? Did you not call us to be your children? Did you not call us to be your heirs? This is an identity that will not be taken away from us. So even though Israel was, before the Lord, they were constantly lying. They were constantly going back upon their promises and all that. But God acknowledged them as his faithful children. Because he has already called them to be righteous. And so he is accountable for, his, for their righteousness as well. And God's going to become their savior. To those who, are, who have received this message, God becomes their savior. So you're... So your actions before the Lord is not that important. The important issue is, are you able to believe in the promises that He has given to you? Are you able to believe that God has given you His righteousness? If God says you are righteous, then that is, the, that is it. Like I said before, we are not His children because we did something well, or we do not fall out of that sonship because we have done something wrong. We, and we shouldn't put our hope in our own beings as well. Amen. We have to listen to the voice of the Lord, Amen. constantly acknowledging us and calling us His, his sons, calling us His daughters and His heirs. Amen. And if you're able to hear that voice, then what else is the matter in the world? When, we, when I look at Africa, you see many limitations, you see many hardships. Even though they have a lot of natural resources, they're unable to use that resources for themselves. Other nations come and use their resources and take and steal, steal it away from them. So they're constantly faced with limitations and hardships. But should those limitations become a problem for them? No, because God is their Savior, and He's, he's able to transcend above, above all of their limitations. So what you have and what you possess do not dictate where your life is heading. What dictates your life is who you are serving, which direction you are facing. And we as well. You may say, Lord, I don't have time, I don't have energy, I don't have money to serve you. Your, limita your limitations are not the issues. The issue is your faith. Are you able to believe in this Almighty Lord? Your God is the God of, of this universe. He is the one who is in power. So do your issues, can your little issues become a problem for God? If you're under His reign, then none of your issues will, will overtake you. 
he will lead you to overcome those issues, and even you're able, you, you will be able to uh, display his power to your surroundings as well. And during the conference, at first the conference seemed very difficult, and and things got very depressing, and it was filled with problems. Transportation was a problem, eating was a problem, and Pastor Kim's health itself was a problem as as well. But the glory of the Lord, the presence of God, and the sermons of Pastor Kim did not stop even once during, because of these issues. Because none of these limitations are a problem for the Lord. And during the conference, we were shocked to see how many people were, were not English speakers. And even though even the English speakers were not fluent in English enough to, to, to receive the message and listen to the translations. And in some aspects, we, we, can, we are compassionate to people because they cannot understand the message and that's why they're not changed. They're not receiving grace. But when the presence of the Lord was there and when the glory of the Lord came upon the people, even that language barrier did not become a problem for the people uh, to receive grace. Because the, the, the Holy Spirit helped the people understand the message even though it was a different language through, through that anointing and through that presence and glory. Everybody's hope melted away by, by that presence alone. And many people said to me before, uh, that in the mission field, you need to be sensitive to the culture of the nation that you're touching. That the, the same gospel and the same words that you're speaking in your current church, in your own nation, may not be so effective to people over there. But that's not the case. When the presence of the Lord is there, it doesn't matter what you're speaking of. If you're speaking the truth and if you're speaking the gospel, then that's going to change and touch the hearts of the people. So the first goes on just to say that God... Uh, God was with the Israelites throughout their issues and throughout their, their, their hardships. And how far was that? God was with Israel even, even when they, were, they, were, they had been taken uh, captivity by their enemies. And even though God was with them, the issue is the people, the Israelites, were, were, not, able to, were not able to sense His presence anymore. And Pastor Kim shared that it, starting from the first day, the glory and the presence of the Lord was in the conference. But the people were not able to see that, were not able to sense that presence. But the thing is, the presence of the Lord and the glory of God did not come upon do not come to Africa starting, starting from the first day of the conference, but rather that presence and that glory was in that land already. 
because God was always with them. But the issue is the people lost sight of that. They have lost focus and that's why they cannot sense and see that presence anymore. And they have been bound for, for hundreds and hundreds of years and that's why they're unable to see the Lord anymore. And there was ones where Pastor Kim asked the people who had back pain to come to the front to be healed. And I also tried to minister a couple of them. And their backs, starting from the neck to, to the legs, were all very stiff and hard. And I never touched muscles that, that were uh, muscles that were that hard and that stiff. And it really broke my heart seeing that. Not only were their spirits and their lives uh, bound by the enemy, but their physical bodies were also bound by the enemy like, like, like this. In Uganda and in many of the African countries, when they're, met, when they're uh, engaging with foreigners, their attitude is always sorry. Their attitude is always apologetic to the people that they're talking to. It's because they're too used to being treated that way. And it really broke my heart seeing uh, a culture like that. I prayed really hard and ministered really hard uh, the people that were attending the conference so that they would be liberated from these spiritual writings. And maybe I cried more than the other pastors because I felt a sense of, 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 of uh, what's it? A connection with the people over there. In Micah 1 verse 8, Verse 8 For this I will lament and I will wail, I will go stripped and naked, I will howl like jackals and moan like the daughters of owls. So this was the heart of the Lord that He had for Israel and for and the heart that He had He has for the African churches. Even though the, he God, God and His prophets are crying out for Israel and crying out for the African churches. Because of, their, because of their spiritual bindings, they no longer can hear this voice. They can no longer receive this, 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 this uh, redemption. But all that changed on the last day of the conference. But in the end, we know that God is a... God is our Savior. And like how He was able to save the Israelites from the grasp of the enemies, God will not limit His resources and His power and authority to come and save His people and save His, his churches in Africa. And, and think about it. As a father who has a son that is dying, what will the father not do to save his son from that situation? He's gonna, is he going to keep money? Is he going to save resources in that act of saving the child? No, he's going to pour everything he has into that, that uh, uh, to do whatever it takes to, to save that child from that situation. 
And Isaiah knew exactly the heart of the Father, and that's why he was able to lament and cry out before the Lord for Israel. And, well, again, God did the same thing in Africa as well. He did not limit his own resources, and, and, and he did not limit anything, restrict anything, when it came to saving the souls of Africa. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm having a little tough time keeping up. allowed many many miracles and many uh, events to happen in the Africa African conferences a lot of people were healed a lot of people were touched and in Uganda I think there was a, a woman who had heart issues she, uh, she had she had um, her heart was leaking blood and at first she was not an attendee of the conference but she was a young adult and at first, when, when Pastor Kim called up people who had heart issues, she did not come out. But during the sermon, once again, the Lord inspired Pastor Kim to, to pray for that person. So, so she was called up. But even before reaching the, the, the stage, she started to cry on her way out. And Pastor Kim didn't do much. She, he, he immediately told her to run and jump. Because she was healed as soon as she was willing to, to come out before Pastor Kim. And as soon as Pastor Kim, uh, and in many other incidences as well, <clears throat> uh, Pastor Kim did not have to uh, physically touch the people that he was praying for. They were healed immediately as soon as they were willing to come out before the Lord. And there was once that we served ice cream to the congregation. And everybody was given two ice creams. Ice creams uh, during the conference through somebody's, uh, through somebody's donation. And Yerbang Church also uh, prepared a lot of treats and snacks for, for the conference. So there were no shortages. There was nothing lacking in the conference. And I actually gained a lot of weight after coming back. And everything was very abundant all throughout the conference. And once I was, I was uh, uh, filling my plate, plate up with food, and, and I told Pastor Genbei, I told Pastor Genbei I should probably uh, eat less because I'm afraid of gaining weight. But Pastor Genbei said, I'm going to eat more because I don't know when will be the next time I will be able to enjoy these great feasts. But anyways, God did not limit anything to His people over there. And why was that? It's because God wants to save these spirits. He wants to save each spirit, and each spirit is so precious to Him. 
he, he showed them his power. He showed them his, his authority. He showed them his love and compassion. And that is the abundance of glory. He saved them, saves them with his power, uh, with his love and grace and compassion. And that means God is with them in their times of, of difficulty. When they're in pain, God is in pain with them. When they're tormented, God is tormented with them. And in Isaiah, God confesses to Israel saying, I will never be able to forget you. I have your names written on the palm of my hands. And as we know, as we know, during the, those times, only the slave, only slaves will be will, will, will inscribe their the names of their masters upon their hands, and that was how much the Lord loved, how much the Lord loved His people. He was willing to inscribe their names upon His own hands. And that's why Isaiah was able to 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 pray like this before the Lord. He. He continued to speak to his heart, the heart of the Lord, saying, Lord, come and save your people. And there was once uh, a time where Pastor Kim talked about the breath of life during the conference. And the heart of the Father really came to, uh, upon, during, during that ministry. People would, would bow and kneel, on, kneel down. People lay kneel down to lay their hands upon the land, to pray for the land. And there was one pastor that continued to stay, stay seated and had no intentions of praying with us. And when I looked at that pastor, I was really uh, annoyed and irritated. I wanted to speak to him saying, what, can't you see what we're doing? Can't you see what, what, ministry that God, what ministry God wants to do upon this land right now? Can you sense the heart of the Father? And I wanted to speak that to that pastor, but I couldn't. I just, I just judged him from, from afar. But later on, but later on, I, I went to him and said, you have to pray, you have to pray for this land, because that is the heart of the Father. I also really uh, I slapped him on the back saying, you need to pray, you need to repent, you need to pray for this land. And later, my, my hand was bruised from, 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 from that encounter. But after we ministered the land, after then, I, we could see how rapidly they were changing. Because that ministry we did was almost at, at the end of the conference. But everybody changed on the last day. And like in Deuteronomy, it says that uh, God, God is embracing, God embraces his people like an eagle um, cares for his eggs. In verse 10. Mm. In verse 10, uh, the Israelites were very 
I'm grateful for for the, for for the grace of the Lord, and they constantly complained and groaned before the Lord for their for the things that they lacked. And even though it is not a small thing for people to 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 complain complain against uh, their king. God did not judge them for that, but rather He says the, the, the Holy Spirit was disheartened from, from their rebellion. And so the result of, the, of their complaint was that they have gone into rebellion against the Lord. But God did not judge them for their actions, or rather he, 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 he told them the source of, of their rebellion, and that is the times that they have groaned against the Holy Spirit and disobeyed the Holy Spirit. And so if you, if you uh, neglect all these small uh, this acts of disobedience within yourselves and you continue to disappoint the Holy Spirit, then in the end you're going to become rebellious against, against the Lord and fall away from, from His grace. Many times, uh, the reason why we're falling to rebellion against the Lord is because we treat we treat Him as our enemy. Even though God is, suppo- God is supposed to become our Savior and care for me, if we become this, uh, if we follow along the wrong path, then we will become, we will blame all of our problems to the Lord, and that's why we fall away from His side, and He becomes our enemy, and we complain about it, and rebel against. Uh, rebel against him. Let's continue. What is the right relationship that we should have with the Lord? He has given us His Holy Spirit. He has given us His love and His Word. And God... God is not a God that wants to throw away His, his people. He doesn't want to strike His people. He doesn't want to make His people be, be attacked by the enemy. But all those things happen because of the results uh, 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 of the disobedience of, of Israel. In Africa, in, or in South Africa, when Pastor Kim was talking about Ephesians, uh, speaking through Ephesians, he talked about the internal battle that we have, the spiritual battle that we need to engage in. And these are all words that we, all, 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 all revelations that we have heard constantly in this church. But it was very new to the congregation over there. They, don't, they didn't really understand what it meant to, 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 to engage in this spiritual warfare. And when I looked at people being so dumbfounded by that message, I was, I was curious, how can, they continue, how can they live in their spiritual lives without engaging in spiritual warfare, without surrendering, surrendering themselves to the Lord? How, 
How, they, how can they continue to serve the Lord whilst they continue to serve themselves? How can these pastors continue to, to, to minister their, their churches without speaking of what is right and what is wrong? And in the end, if they continue to do so, if they continue to live in both of these worlds, then they're just leading their lambs, leading their congregation to, to, to becoming this powerless church. And the female pastor that, that uh, gave us the, the conference location, in my eyes, that, that, that pastor is also one of the people that is, that is uh, bringing disappointment to the Holy Spirit. Because she would come to every service late, and after coming to the service, she would be on her phone the most of the time. And as soon as the service is over, she would come out and hold the mic. And she would lead the, the, the church somewhere. And we tried our best to not, not have her come out. We tried turning off the mic. We tried taking the mic away from her and all that. But this pastor is filled with, with a desire of, 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 of fame and a desire of acknowledgement. And we can see how she was leading her church to the side of the enemy rather than leading them to the Lord. And so Pastor Kim uh, invited the, the, the worship team in her church to come to Israel next year. And we, we, we talked with the, past, uh, with, the, with the worship team between, between the service. And what they said was, what they confessed was, even though they have attended this church, they didn't feel like it was a church. Because now through the conference and through the sermons of Pastor Kim, they realize what a true church is, what the appearance of a true church is. So they realized uh, that, that their pastor has not been leading them uh, to, towards the Lord. And so we, we, we really need to be thankful that we are a part of a church where the truth is being proclaimed. So let's go back to Israel and Isaiah. What Isaiah is saying to the Lord is, Lord, we, Lord, I know that Israel has done wrong. I know that Israel has sinned and turned against you. But, to, but you have to remember how you saved your people from Egypt, how you were with them in the wilderness, and how your heart for them has not stopped. So what Isaiah is requesting from the Lord is not saying, Lord, you have to, he's not requesting the Lord to do something great. But he's saying, Lord, remember who you are. Remember who you are. If, we, if Israel continues to have you, if Israel stands on your side, then, we know, then I, know that, uh, I know that our issues will be resolved just by being with you. And likewise, we shouldn't seek uh, answers from the Lord, but we should seek the Lord himself. 
in all areas of our lives. The key to our, to our victory is to see where God is. You need to invite the Lord into yourself, into your lives. And invite the Lord into all of your problems and issue as well, issues as well. Saying, Lord, you can resolve this for me. You can, if you're with me, then all of these problems will just fade away. So the prayer of, us, of Isaiah is basically him saying to the Lord, Lord, we need your love and we need your compassion. And Israel will, will survive as long as they are within your love and your compassion. So verse 12 and 14 uh, depicts the picture of, of Isaiah crossing the Red Sea. And then from 15 on, it talks about Israel going to the Promised Land. When we look at the, this, 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 uh, this text, Isaiah is continuing to pray before the Lord, saying, Lord, aren't we your people? Didn't you acknowledge us to, to be uh, your people? In verse 9, also, Isaiah acknowledges the sins and the wickedness of Israel. But starting from verse 10, Isaiah uh, requests salvation from the Lord. And, and, and like, uh, like this confession and like this prayer that Isaiah lifted up to the Lord, we need to also have that same heart and have the same uh, uh, conviction to pray for the, for, the, for the churches around the world right now. Lord, aren't, didn't you say that these are your people? Lord, come and save these people. Come and let them see who you are. We were able to see God saving those souls and those spirits who were dying uh, in, in, in a matter of four days. But what if this if conference never happened? Then what would, what would happen to these people? Or what, what, are, what is happening to those pastors who were, who were not able to come to this conference? Our God from our God who is in heaven is able to see everything that's happening upon this earth right now. He is omnipresent and he's omniscient. And he knows of everything that is going through our minds and every function that is happening within our bodies as well. And sometimes occasionally I would offer this type of prayer to the Lord. Sometimes when some something's not going well and I continue to stumble. I would say, Lord, don't you know? Don't you know? I have no idea what, what, how I'm, what I'm supposed to do. And I would say, Lord, didn't you know this is who I am? Didn't you know that I would go through this? Since you know everything, since you know my weaknesses, my shortcomings, you know of my possibilities and my impossibilities, 
So Lord, would you come and help me? Would you take responsibility for me? So where is your power? Isaiah knew for a fact that God's passion for Israel did not, did not stop. So he's asking, Lord, where's your passion for us? Lord, we know, I, Lord I know that it is there, but I cannot sense it anymore. So Lord, uh, what, what does it say? Isaiah knew, knows that, that no matter what uh, situation he may, be in, may, he may be in, if the Lord's love and compassion is upon him, then he will be able to endure through all this. But that's why he's groaning before the Lord, because he cannot sense that love and that compassion anymore. And all throughout the conference, uh, there was one time, there was always a time where the people were uh, very enthusiastic. And that's the time that we were handing out uh, ice cream or we were handing out snacks. Because their expressions were very different from, from, from uh, all the rest of the areas of the conference. Well, during worship or during the sermon, their expression, expressions were very dull or very, um, very stale and very sad looking and very serious. But during, uh, d- during the times that we handed our ice cream, they would be very joyful. They would smile and be very expressive of their emotions. And likewise, uh, Israel as well, they not, rather than focusing on serving the Lord and following up to the Lord, they were, they were focused more on uh, pleasuring themselves and, and seeking out their desires. And the African countries, for many, many years, they have relied on the resources and the donations of these other uh, Western countries or first world, first world countries. And rather than receiving blessings and abundance from the source itself, which is God, they have relied too much on these, these uh, external donations. But God wants to restore his relationship with, with Africa, that the people will return to him and see him as the source of their salvation and their blessings. And for us as well, it is not important for us to dig our own wells to to, to drink water, but get water from the source itself, which is God. Verse 16, even even if the world does not uh, uh, acknowledge us, Lord, you are our Father. So even in the midst of this difficulty, Isaiah's heart was in, uh, Isaiah's focus was in the right place. He says, Lord, because you are our Father, we know that you can restore your your love and your your, um, compassion upon us. In the midst of this dire situation, even though everything seems hopeless, and even if nobody acknowledges you, if you hold on to the Father, if you hold on to the love and the compassion of the Father, then you will be saved. 
And that's why the name of the Lord has been, is, is our Redeemer. Because He has given us life, He is our Father. Because He has given us li- His life, He cannot uh, give up on us as well. And so, what is the characteristic of those who have, who have, who have the heart of Elijah? And that is God has become our Father and, he, and we have become His children. When you have this relationship, then we will be able to use all those that all the things that God has given us that involves his love, his grace, his forgiveness, his righteousness, all these things will, will be given to us and we will be able to utilize it and, in, and, and use these things to endure all hardships, all, uh, all difficulties. But when this relationship is not built correctly, then you will not be able to accept and receive all these gifts. And you won't, be, you won't be able to believe that God has forgiven you because He has not become your father. As a child, when your father says he has forgiven you for your mistakes, you do not, you do not worry about your mistakes anymore. Because you, you, you already believe that He has forgiven you, and so those things are in the past. But when, when, you, when you do not have this relationship of a father and a son with, with Jesus, then even though He has already gone through the event of the cross, even though He has forgiven you with His own blood, you won't be able to believe and accept in that event. And thus, you are not. Uh, you have. You won't be able to receive his righteousness as well. And that's why, in in the, in, in this time right now, in this time of darkness, God is seeking out His church that is willing to continue to hold on to His gospel, is willing to believe in the crucifixion, is willing to to cry with Him and to, to, to minister this land and pray for this land. So through this conference, I saw with my very own eyes how these people are dying. It seemed impossible for these spirits to be saved again, to be, re- to be revived. I saw, I saw too many impossibilities. This land was filled with corpses, with people decaying and people dying. The churches were not churches. Even though the president's ambassadors came, even though the two-star general came, even though we were transported uh, with with, uh, police vehicles, that land was still filled with with death. But I saw uh, the Lord crying for this land. And He's waiting for His church to rise up. And upon the, the, the nation of Uganda, which seemed like, like the dry bones uh, of Elijah, God started to breathe his, his living breath upon them. And everybody who has 
gone through this conference have, have seen this great, uh, this miracle of the Lord. Because their, their attitude towards the Lord completely changed from day one to, uh, uh, with, 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 with the last service. Those who, who, who couldn't even close their eyes to pray the Lord, those who were fading away in spirit, were saved by God through the ministry of, uh, uh, through, 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 through uh, this ministry, a pastor came in of this church. And this is the calling that God has given to us. And as long as you're a part of this church, God has given you that calling to be His two witnesses. He has given you the heart of Elijah. So we need to speak to those churches that have, that have lost sight of God and say to them, the Lord Himself is coming towards you. He's pouring His breath of life upon you. So let's pray as we conclude this sermon. Father God, there are too many souls that are dying right now. They are hopeless. They have lost all of their hope in, in the world. They cannot do anything for themselves anymore. They cannot even uh, come up with a this, uh, with with they cannot even gain motivation to come before you anymore. But Lord, we are no different from them. If we had no truth, if we had, we if we were not a part of this church, then we would be in the same hopeless state as as they are in right now. But regardless of that, you have come to us first. You have given us your life. You have given us your truth. You have given us this, your glory and your gospel. And you have given us life. So Lord, we're going to continue to hold on to this life. And would you help us to touch those spirits, touch those souls that are dying away. And help us to remind them that they are your children, that they are your heirs. Let all of the remnant around the world rise up together to pray for these spirits. Pray for these churches. Pray for these pastors to be revived in you, to be restored in you. Would you give us your heart so that we can spread your love?